Thanks very much, Martin, for leading us in prayer. Well, we uh, are now a week or so into the new year. Um, I wonder how you're feeling. How are you, how are you feeling about the year ahead? Maybe uh, some of you out there have had a pretty good start to the year already. You're feeling good, positive. Or maybe there are some of us sitting here already feeling like our hopes and dreams perhaps are beginning to unravel for the year ahead. We're seemingly promised, or encouraged to think at least, aren't we, that with each new year, things will get better. But in reality, most of us have been around long enough to know that that isn't necessarily the case. Sometimes it may be, but it often isn't. See, as much as we go about often setting good New Year's resolutions at this time of year, the reality is that as we look at the year ahead, we just know that we cannot cannot control many of the situations that we're going to find ourselves in, the circumstances, the joys or the sorrows that will come our way. So given all of that uncertainty, and even as we look to do really good and important things, like Steve was talking about last week, like, like getting stuck into God's Word in the year ahead, what I think we all need to do is, and have is someone, something rock-solid, powerful, unchanging, certain, who we can put our hope and trust in, no matter what comes no matter what comes in the week, in the month, in the year ahead. And that is exactly what, or who, I should say, we are presented with here in this passage this morning, in Psalm 46. Just look with me, if you've got a Bible with you, how the psalmist begins here. In verse 1, with these incredible words, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. As the psalmist writes these words, he starts, doesn't he, with God. Now, there's no reason to think that this psalm was particularly written for a a new year or an occasion like that. But I think the psalmist's instinct is going to help us as we begin a new year. His instinct is to start with God. God is his first word, and that is so helpful for us. Because as we go on into the uncertain new year, the changing times. God is the same, powerful, rock-solid, unchanging God who we can look to and put our trust in, in amongst all of that uncertainty. So that's a good place to start our year, isn't it? With God. And then see what the psalmist does. He goes on, doesn't he, to declare this unchanging truth about our unchanging God, that he is a refuge and a strength a very present help in trouble. And isn't that what we were just saying we so desperately need this year, every single day? This God, says the psalmist, is not some unchanging, mighty, powerful God, but he is also the same God that we can run to, who we can run to for security, for protection, for help. See there, the personal language, as you look at verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. Not just a refuge, our refuge. This refuge and strength isn't one that you see way off in the distance. 
As we think about this, imagine with me, say you're out walking in the morns. I know some people here love doing things like that. I should probably do more of it. But imagine you're out walking in the morns, and then suddenly you get caught in a severe storm. The rain comes lashing down. The thunder starts booming above your head. The lightning is flashing. And as you reel in shock at the frightening situation that you now find yourself in, well, what are you going to do? You're desperately going to look for a refuge, for cover of some sort. And imagine with me, you see this light. But as you look at that light, you realize it is far off, a mile or more away. The reality is that 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 light, that house that it's coming from, that is a refuge, isn't it? But it's just not one that you're going to be able to get to, at least not soon. It's a distant one. Well, that is the opposite of the image that's given here, isn't it, of our God? Look at the language of the second half of verse 1. He is a very present help in trouble. God's refuge, strength, and help, well, it goes with us right in the heart of the storm. To run with the analogy, if there was a way of this not ruining the, the lovely outdoors and the great view, that God is that house of refuge who goes with us every step of the way, surrounding us, protecting us. And as such, here's the invitation, I think, the call of the psalmist as he himself writes verse 1. He's like he's saying, join me. Make God your refuge too. Make God your refuge in 2023. Your strength, your help. And as we hear that call, here's the challenge, I think, that for many of us here this morning. Because many of us will likely have heard these kinds of words many, many times before. They're likely words that, that we would happily echo and say for ourselves even this morning. But what will it actually mean for us to say again at the start of 2023, God, I want you to be. You are my refuge and strength this coming year. Well, here I think the psalm is going to help us as we continue on through. But just to get us going, let, let me give you a few starters as well to think about as we do this this year. If we're going to make God our refuge this year, first of all, it's going to mean looking to speak this truth to ourselves over and over again. See, this psalm was, was written so that it could be sung and said again and again getting into our psyche, into our minds, reaching our hearts and our souls. And so now we have this psalm and many other psalms, don't we, too, recorded for us. And this is all pointing to this truth that we need to speak it to ourselves again and again. We need to set in place this year ways that we can remind ourselves of who our God is, that he is this refuge, strength, and help. And we can do that, of course, individually, can't we? We can read these psalms. Uh, perhaps also uh, we, could, we could use this verse 1 and make it a regular part of our daily prayer, perhaps every single day declaring this truth as we set out into it. That would be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? But of course, as the language of the psalm reflects, we can and should look to do this 
corporately, together as well, shouldn't we? Remember it says God is our refuge, strength and help. As we come each and every Sunday to gather together, in a way that is what we are declaring again and again, isn't it? Lord, we need you again today. Lord, we need you again this week. And we know that we can find all we need in you. See, the world around us will constantly try to offer us all kinds of other places for us to run, other houses of refuge, as it were, perhaps for us to go to, to keep us safe from the storms of life. But the reality is that all of those other refuges, they will all turn out to be like a mirage, seemingly there but soon gone when we run to them. Spurgeon calls them refuges of lies, I think that's what we need to remind ourselves of. There is one true refuge for us to go to this year. Our God. And one of the best ways we can remind ourselves of that is by meeting regularly with others who are declaring the same truths, who also believe that. As we sit together under God's word, we hear these psalms preached, we hear God's word, we worship our God, and we speak to each other of our God. So given that, let me just encourage you as we head on into this year to make it a priority to meet together with other believers. Maybe you've got out of the way of coming regularly to church. Maybe it's less of a priority for you to to meet up with others. But let me just encourage you, this year, if you want to make God your refuge, one of the great things you can do is to make sure that you're meeting up with God's people. Because together, then we can declare this truth. God is my refuge and strength. Because that's a truth that will ground all of us, ground all of us, all that we do and say and will face in the year ahead. And as you do that, let me just also encourage you this year to look for opportunities to share your life with others and hear about their lives too. Often that's what we look to do in small groups, which is something that I I mentioned earlier. Sure, some of us here are quite private individuals, but the Bible is clear, isn't it, that we are not meant to do life on our own. We're God's family together. And it's often in talking about our lives, sharing our experiences and how God has been our help, our refuge and our strength, that we find great encouragement ourselves to go on to press on in following our God and serving him every single day. Maybe even after this service, here's a question you could ask someone. How has God been your refuge through the years? Or is there a specific example that you can share with me that would encourage me as I then look to make God my refuge? It's often in talking with each other that we can help each other to declare these great truths and hold fast to them. A second thing then to say is this. I guess in this I'm picking up on what Steve was talking about last week as well. But if you want to make God your refuge this year, get stuck into his word. Read God's word. Because in it, it's going to tell you every single day more and more about this God. His character, his love his ongoing faithfulness towards his people. And as you read those, as we read those words, we're going to be encouraged again to set our hope and our trust in him above anything else. He is the one to run to. See, the psalmist in this psalm is being very real, isn't he? 
There's no hiding life's difficulties and trials in this psalm, like many people try to do about life. Because just look at how he continues on. This dramatic portrayal of chaos and confusion in verses 2 and 3. The psalmist knows that that all the time around us as as individuals, all the time around us as God's people, there are difficulties, things that could make us fear. Look at these words. Verses 2 and 3, he speaks of the earth giving way. The mountains being moved into the heart of the sea, the waters roaring and foaming, and the mountains trembling at its swelling. As we hear those words, I wonder if you feel, feel them, because that's often how life can feel, these kind of words. At times, it can, can even feel like the very foundations of our world are being shaken by what's going on around us. The earth gives way. And we can feel like the roaring waters are just bombarding us again and again and again. Even mighty dependable things in our lives, like the mountains here, they can be quickly thrown down and submerged. Many of us will know the reality of that, that kind of experience. Maybe some of us here this morning are feeling just about that this morning. The earth shakes, the mountains being thrown into the sea. And if we haven't already experienced something like that in our lives, this overwhelming flood almost, as it were, that comes against us, that in likelihood, all of us here will experience something of this. And this is why this psalm, I think, is so helpful, so relevant for us as we sit here at the start of a new year, why it speaks such important truth for us to cling on to in the coming days, because it's, it is recognizing that life is hard. There will be difficulties and challenges, but it is also pointing us to someone who we can turn to in those difficulties, in those situations, someone who we can run to and take refuge in, someone who will give us strength, someone who will give us help. And all of that, incredibly, means that even though we can't be sure of what, comes, what will come upon us this year, or any time in the future, we do not need to fear. See the start of verse 2? Look with me, the psalmist writes, he's just said, hasn't he? God is our refuge, and then he says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Now I think the question at this point then is, Why is that the case? How is it that having God as our refuge helps us cast out the inevitable fear that will otherwise so often naturally overwhelm us and overtake us? Well, here I think the psalm is going to go on to tell us, giving us great reasons to make God our refuge this year. Great reasons and truths about God as our refuge that will help calm even those deepest fears. We're going to see that right the way through now, but first, in verses 4 to 7, if you look there with me in a second, we're going to see that it is because God is the ultimate refuge. There truly is no other refuge like him. He is incomparable in every single way. In verses 2 to 3, the psalmist has just outlined all these seemingly scary things coming upon him. And then do you notice at the end of verse 3, we read it there in the, the reading, there's this break, this word, selah. It's like a pause. 
And it's as if almost the psalmist is acting out what he has just said. All of these things are coming against me. They're bombarding us as God's people. But stop. Pause. Let's remember verse 1. God is our refuge in amongst all of that. And then he goes on, doesn't he, now, remembering that to list all of these reasons why God is this ultimate refuge who casts out fear. First off, verse 4, if you read with me, because God continually provides for and blesses his people. Verse 4, there's all this storm going on, but there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Possibly for the psalmist here, this mention of streams is referring to the stream of Siloam. That was the only real water supply for the city of God at that time in Jerusalem. But the imagery is beautiful here, isn't it? Whatever he's referring to. Remember, where these roaring, crashing waves have come bombarding God's people, well, here we see the picture of God's steady quiet yet abounding streams of provision and blessing for his people that will never stop. Right at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, we pick up on this language. We read of the river, of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the new heavenly Jerusalem. And now, in the meantime, as we wait for that final fulfillment we can still now be sure that God's steady provision, his streams of provision and grace and blessing continue, continue for us, for those who are in Christ. See, just as streams of water would have been absolutely essential for Jerusalem, if they were going to fend off these attacks from the enemies, so now God gives us streams, streams of provisions of all kinds of things that we need to fight off the attack of the enemy, the devil, and to press on in following God, even in hard situations that we find ourselves in. Just stop with me for a second and consider some of the many, many provisions and blessings of God for us to enjoy today. First and foremost, right, we have to start here. God's abounding grace poured out to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a never-ending stream that means that none of us here, if we have put our trust in Christ, will have our sins counted against us. But instead, we are dressed in robes of righteousness. Doesn't that give us all a backdrop against which we can see all of our other troubles and trials in life? God has already, in his abounding grace and mercy, provided for our greatest need. We are forgiven. Our debt has been paid. Then, of course, there's the blessing of the Holy Spirit living in us, helping and guiding us. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Then God's present help can also be seen, can it, through the blessing of God's word. As we've already said, and as Steve spoke to us about last week, God's word teaches us shows us God and it teaches us, corrects us, trains us in righteousness, equips us for every good work. Then there's the blessing that we can enjoy of prayer. 
an open and direct line to speak with our God, the creator of all things, and ask for his particular help in whatever circumstance we're in. Then, we've already also mentioned this a few times this morning, the blessing of being a part of God's family together. Here at Great Vic, together with other believers in Belfast and right across the world, so often God provides and blesses for his people through his people, doesn't he? Just look around you right now, if you dare. Here are a hundred or more people who God has put around you in your life to help you, to encourage you, to lift you up when you fall down, to point you back to this refuge, our God. And and listen, we're only really getting started with that list, aren't we? We could go on and on. But I hope that gives you a sense of what's happening here in verse 4. This is God's steady flow of provision and blessing that we can all enjoy as his people this morning. And that is why he is the ultimate refuge who we can run to in everything. Not only that, that, though, as we've already hinted at, he is also the ultimate refuge because he is with his people always. As verse 5 makes clear, listen to to verse 5 again. It says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Now, we don't know the exact occasion of the writing of this psalm, but many people believe it it came uh, after an attack that uh, Jerusalem had had, had faced from God's enemies. Whatever it was, we see here that God's presence in the city of Jerusalem and in the temple has protected his people. Many people believe it was written after the defeat of Sennacherib, who was this mighty king of Assyria coming against Jerusalem. But we read in that account that the Lord sends out an angel to kill all of Sennacherib's mighty warriors, commanders, officers. And listen to this. We then read in 2 Chronicles 32, after all of this, this mighty king, Sennacherib, he returns home with shame of face, shame of face to his own land. Whatever the occasion, the psalmist is clear, isn't he? God is the ultimate refuge because he has been with his people. He is in the midst of them. And as a result of that, God's city, God's people will not be moved. Today, of course, as we've already said, as God's people, we can enjoy the same presence of God with us every single day, personally, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we said at the start, God is no distant refuge for us this morning if we are Christians. He is with us. He is a refuge who we can know personally. He is a refuge who goes with us every single step that we take. And God's Spirit, as he goes with us, speaks comfort, help, and hope, doesn't he? Even in the bleakest of times. And God's Spirit helps us then to pray, even when we don't have the words. And the gift of the Spirit is a great outworking, isn't it, of that incredible promise that God will never leave or forsake his people. He is always with us. 
as verse 5 puts it, now in New Testament and church terms, God is in the midst of us. We will not be moved. God will help us when morning dawns. That's a great image too, isn't it? You know in the morning when you, you wake up and perhaps you're feeling pretty groggy, uh, you're stumbling out of bed half asleep, See, often I think we can maybe think the same of God. Or or we could even think that that perhaps we have to wake our God up when we call to him. He suddenly turns his attention to us again. He's been distracted. But no, isn't this a great picture of verse 6? God will help us when morning dawns. God doesn't slumber or sleep. He is always up. And he is always ready to be our help. I love here how Spurgeon puts it, talking about this. He writes, As soon as the first ray of light proclaims the coming day, at the turning of the morning, God's right arm shall be outstretched for his people. That's our reality every single day, even though we're so slow to remember it. Tomorrow morning, as you wake up, remember this. God is with you. And his arm is outstretched for you as you go on into your day. Remembering that, won't that give us renewed confidence and strength to go on? To go on, facing the day, facing the circumstance we find in, whatever comes our way. Because God is with us and God is our refuge. Even in our darkest moments, even if we feel it, there is no time when as Christians we are truly alone. Because our God is with us. He is in our midst. And then verse 6 picks up on this by showing us again that having this God in our midst, on our side, means that we don't have to fear. Because he is more powerful than any enemy. In verse 6, the psalmist writes, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. Just like in Psalm 2, the image here is of nations, peoples, and kings coming against the Lord and his people, like maybe that mighty king Sennacherib. But look at the comparison made here. Mighty nations come against him. They rage against him. They're armed with all kinds of weapons. And yet, with a simple word, these mighty kingdoms totter and fall. The earth melts at God's power. This is the power and might of the God who is with you, who is your refuge and strength and help. I hope that seeing this encourages you this morning. If you are sitting here this morning and you have put your trust in the Lord, you have made him the refuge of your life, there is absolutely nothing that has happened, that is happening, or that will happen in your life that is beyond the power and control of our Lord. If with a word he can make kingdoms totter and fall, make the earth melt, you can be sure that he is powerful to protect you too. To protect you, 
his son or his daughter who he has brought to himself. He can and will cast any attack of the devil aside and he will hold you fast to him to the end. Now, of course, that doesn't mean a promise of an easy life. Not at all. So often in God's word, we are told that we should expect difficulties and hardships, like we read about in verses 2 and 3. As we follow our suffering Savior, and as we continue to live in the midst of a fallen world, we will face these challenges and trials. But here's the truth. We don't need to fear. Because there can be no safer place for you to be in this morning than in the arms of your mighty, sovereign God who is with you in the trouble, who is with you in the hardship, who will never leave you or forsake you. Remember verse 1, God is a very present help in trouble. He will not let anyone snatch you away from him. As we read in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Our God is more powerful than any enemy. And so, given all that he's just said about God being the ultimate refuge, here's the psalmist's concluding statement in verse 7 of this little section. Returning pretty much to where he began in verse 1, he says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts, who repeatedly conquered his enemies through his hosts, through the armies of Israel, is the same Lord of hosts today who commands the angelic hosts, the angelic armies. And he is our fortress, our stronghold of protection, the one who will always deliver us from the enemy's attack, who will be an unchanging rock of stability and shield of safety around us. But the psalmist isn't quite done yet. He's going to return to that same conclusion in verse 11. But before that, he has, I think, one further main thing to add, to give further reason about why we too should this year make God our refuge and for the rest of our lives, and why doing that will cast out our fears. Look with me now at verses 8 to 10. And I think we're going to see here this final reason, because God will be the ultimate the last, the only refuge left standing at the end of time. See, often other refuges around us, around the, us in the world, they can seemingly partially or temporarily at least do something of their job, can't they? The reality is money can protect us and help us in certain circumstances. It can provide for us physically. Or how about family and friends? We often can run to them too. They can help shield us from something of what the world will throw at us. But the problem with any other kind of refuge, if it's, if it's what we are giving our lives to, is that that refuge simply will not last. They might not, that refuge might not even last the length of your lifetime, but it certainly won't last beyond it, into death. But that isn't the case with our God. Read these verses 8 to 10 with me as we see this. The psalmist writes, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Even as in verse 8, the psalmist seemingly once again looks back, doesn't he, on the Lord's past protection and deliverance of his people. These verses, I think, taken together in their entirety, are pointing us forward. Verse 8 is like this foretaste of what is to come. As the psalmist tells us, you see, in verse 8, to look back at the Lord's work, he then tells us, doesn't he, in verse 9, how the Lord makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. Which, of course, as we stop and, and take stock today, we know that he has already done in part, hasn't he, at many times and in various different ways, right the way through history. There are many wars that have been brought to an end. And we know the Lord is above all of that. But even as we see that, again, they are only examples of the universal peace that will one day break out right across the world. That universal peace that will break out when, the, when Christ returns. When Christ returns and there is this judgment of all of God's enemies. See, on the day of Christ's return, at that time, no enemy of God will be left standing. Any weapon, do you see there in this verse, that they may bring against him or his people? The bow, the spear, the chariot, whatever it will be, it will be once and for all destroyed. And at that time, there will be no other refuge than our God. There will be no refuge left for those enemies of the Lord's. And they will be crushed under his feet. But for those who have taken refuge in their God, in God, those who are his people, well, then we can enjoy that peace forever. And that's why I think it's fair to see this call here in verse 10, to be still and know that I am God, not just as a call for us this morning as God's people, to go on finding refuge in him. It is that. But then this is also a call for people everywhere, to the ends of the earth. Because I think in this is a warning. A warning. One day the rest of verse 10 will be completely fulfilled. God will be exalted among the nations. God will be exalted in all of the earth. Everything will be brought under his feet. And the call here is therefore for everyone us this morning, and everyone else in Belfast, and right to the end of the world, is to be still. Stop our striving for all those other things, and come to God, because he is the only lasting refuge. He is the ultimate refuge. And in God, we can find all that we need. I love how the psalmist uh, repeats again this verse 7, uh, again in verse 11, after he's just said all of this. Because the reality is that very few of us here are of a Jewish background of any kind. Very few of us are, are those people who initially would have sung this psalm, talking of God as their refuge. But now, here we are, God's people among the nations, where he is being exalted and will one day be completely and once and for all exalted. And here we are, as those who have been welcomed now into this family, God's family, 
saved through the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. And so we too, can't we, in verse 11, can finish this psalm and join in this cry. The Lord of hosts is with us this morning. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I don't know how you are feeling about the year ahead. It's a year that will inevitably, for some of us, offer much excitement. But it's also a year when the reality is we don't know what we're going to face. Some good, but also likely some bad. There will be hardships and trials individually. Also, perhaps for us as God's people, as a church here, we don't know what will come. But here is a truth that Psalm 46 gives to us, a treasure for us to hold fast to whatever comes. The Lord of hosts is and will be with us. The God of Jacob is and will be our fortress. Just as we close, one commentator reflecting on this psalm points us to the life of Elizabeth Elliot, who many of you will, be, uh, will know. Elizabeth Elliot suffered the loss of two husbands. The first, uh, Jim Elliot, was killed by Orca Indians in Ecuador while trying to reach those people with the gospel. And the second, Addison Leach, died of cancer only four years after they were married. And here's how she reflects on those deaths and particularly how this psalm spoke into this grief that she was feeling. She writes this, Everything that has seemed most dependable has given way. Mountains are falling. Earth is reeling. In such a time, it is a profound comfort to know that although all things seem to be shaken, one thing is not. God is not shaken. And later she adds that the thing that we most need to do then is do what the psalmist does in verse 10, to be still and know that God is God. Be still and know God is God. And he is a refuge, a fortress who we can run into. He is, as the commentator then continues himself, a comfort and a truth that infuses strength into our faltering spirit. So let's this year, as a church here and as individuals within the church, let's let our faltering spirits be comforted and infused with strength as we day by day take refuge in our mighty God mighty fortress. And let's pray that then this time in a year, as we look back on the year, we'll be able to bear witness to how once again, as we look back, this year has, God has been our refuge, our strength, and he has been a very present help in all the different circumstances we've faced. Let's pray. Lord, these are incredible words for us to hold on to. And really, only this morning, we've begun to scratch the surface of what it is for you to be our refuge, to be our strength, to be a very present help. But Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, thank you that as we do head on into this new year, it has reminded us that whatever uncertainties we face, we know that you are God. 
You are unchanging. You are mighty. You are above it all. And you will protect your people. We will not be moved. Lord, please hold us fast to you this year. Lord, help us to encourage one another. Lord, help us to speak and be ready to share how you have been that help and strength. Lord, that then we can encourage each other to keep coming to you in all things. Lord, this year, would it be true for us as a church, true for us as individuals, that you have been the refuge that we have run to every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to respond now uh, to this psalm by singing a song that was originally written based uh, on this psalm. It was written by Martin Luther. Uh, uh, It's one that many many of us may know. Some of us apparently may not know as well. I wasn't sure. Um, It's a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. I wasn't sure what that was. That's a steady wall, a strong defensive wall. And that is who our God is, isn't he? He protects his people. So let's respond and sing this truth out to each other, uh, reminding ourselves of who our God is as the musicians play.
Satan who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.